0: How many of you truly believe that the Lord is here with us today? Amen. If you have your Bibles open to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6, the setting, it's 1184 B.C. It's a dark time for the children of Israel. After years of peace and prosperity, now they're finding themselves in bondage. The enemy has come into their lands, and destroyed their livelihoods. They're robbing them of their joy. That they have. It's a hard time. You can imagine it would be a dark and depressing day to live in. Many of you here as Jacob said. Come in here with a heavy heart. With a lot of things going on in your life. I'm one of them. It's hard sometimes to get up and praise the Lord. When you have all of these things coming against you. Sometimes it's just hard for you. To get out of bed. Amen. I've been struggling in my own life. With moments of doubt. With unanswered prayers. Struggling with anxiety and depression. This Friday I went out into the woods to get along with the Lord. Because nothing. Nothing was going right for me. Nothing I had studied. Nothing I had prepared. Seemed to make any sense. I had prayed, yet I didn't hear any answers from the Lord. And so I go out into the woods and I pray. And I'm on my face, weeping, praying to the Lord. God, I just want to hear you. I want to see you. Why are all of these things happening if you're for me like you said? How can I, as Jacob said, sometimes you feel like, how can I, who am I to get up and praise, praise you and to preach to these people when I have all of these things coming against me? And it was in that time and in that moment when God revealed these things to me of what I had been studying all along, but he changed the direction of it because he changed what he wanted me to see something different in him and how he sees me and how he sees you today. To get my eyes off of my circumstances and what is coming against me, but to look upon him and see myself and for you to see yourself how he sees you. Amen. Such was the t- the days of Judges chapter 6 when all of the things was coming against the children of Israel and they had brought it upon themselves. See, they were just reaping what they had sown. But God, being loving and merciful and being who He is, He did not want them to stay there. See, God wanted to deliver His people even though they deserved the punishment that had came to them. God didn't want them to stay there. God wanted to rescue them. In 2nd Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 it says, "If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and I will heal their land." See, they they were wicked. And people, sometimes we're wicked as well. And we deserve the punishment that that is due. But God doesn't want us to stay there. God wants to bless you. He loves you. He wants to rescue you. Amen. The story comes to an individual in Judges chapter 6, a a young man named Gideon. And it's going to focus in on this young man because God is going to use this young man to deliver the people of Israel. He's going to raise Gideon up as a leader to be victorious over the enemy. But I want you to understand something about Gideon. Gideon was an average, ordinary man at this time. Gideon was, matter of fact, Scripture says that Gideon would have been the man that you would have thought least likely that God would have chosen to lead the children of Israel. You see here, Gideon was a farmer. It says that he was threshing wheat that is something they do in farming. He was an average, ordinary man. It says that his own family was the weakest of the area. They, he didn't come from an important family. And of even that family, it says that he was the weakest of all of his relatives. See, so he was the least likely that you would have picked out in a crowd to be like, that's the man God's going to use to bring victory for the nation of Israel, for the people of God. See, God, a lot of times, and many times, in many cases, God uses the people that we, that are least likely, in our eyes, to succeed. But God sees something different in them. See, God sees something different in people that people don't even see in themselves. Amen? In Judges chapter 6, you can imagine, it, it says that, Every year, when the people of Israel had sown their seeds, and, and this was their livelihood. People couldn't just go to the grocery store. So they had their own gardens. They, this is how they ate. This is how they had money. This was their business, was farming. And it says, so every year after they would sow the ground, and there was time to reap the harvest, that the enemies, the Midianites would come in and they would ravish the land and they would destroy all of the work that the people of God had done. They would steal their animals, take away their hope. You can see, can imagine the time of hopelessness this must have been for them. And for Gideon, a weak, lonely farmer, can you imagine, he's in hiding. He's afraid that the enemy's going to Rob the only thing that he has left. The only way he could provide for his family. That he's afraid that even that the enemy was going to destroy and take from him. And he would have nothing to feed his family with. You can imagine it says that in Judges chapter 6. That Gideon was down in a wine press threshing wheat. This wasn't where they would normally thresh wheat. It would be upon a hilltop so the wind would blow away the chaff, okay, that's the stuff that you couldn't eat. And all the good seed would fall to the ground. But he's down in a hole now. He's hiding from the enemy. So he's fearful. You can imagine the amount of filth and decay that would come upon him from no wind. All of the stuff, he's covered in filth, he's covered in dirt, he's covered in shame. He's 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 just tormented by fear, doubt, depression. Matter of fact, it says this has gone on for seven years in Gideon's life up to this point. So you imagine Gideon praying to the Lord for seven years. And maybe you're here, maybe you're here, and you have circumstances that's come against you. The enemy's trying to rob you from the joy of the Lord. You're afraid that the that maybe even you're holding on to your job or whatever it may be, the only thing you have left that that he's going to take that from you too. You imagine you're praying and many of us here, we've prayed for years. Maybe you've prayed for that loved one. Maybe you've prayed for healing on someone and you just don't see the answers. God was silent at this time. Gideon hasn't gotten his answers. You imagine praying, God, Do you even hear me anymore? You know, many times, if you don't know me, I have a special needs son who's 13 years old. And since birth, he's not been able to meet milestones that normal kids would meet. He's never been able to walk or talk. or We have to feed him out of a feeding tube. And we've prayed, and people of God have prayed over him. And there was a time when I so believed that God would heal him. I even asked God when he didn't heal him, I said, is it something that I'm doing? Is it a lack of faith on my part? And you don't see the deliverance. You don't see the answers. You can imagine this desperation that it brings upon you. You can imagine the doubt. And the things that come upon you. God, do you even care anymore? But I want you to see what God says to Gideon. In Judges chapter 1, or chapter 6, verse 11, it says, Now the angel of the Lord had came and sat underneath the terebinth tree. That's an oak tree, which was in the area where he was at, which belonged to Joash while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Now, the first thing I want you to understand and see in this is with all of the things going on, with everything that was weighing against Gideon and all of the things that he was going through, he wasn't alone. God seen him. He seen him the whole time he had heard him. He was there with him. You know, what I wanted to bring this out because many times we think we go through these things on our own. And even though God may be silent for a time, He's always with you. His word says He would never leave us and He'll never forsake us. And so I want to encourage you this morning that no matter what you're going through, and maybe you're not here and you're not hearing the Lord, but He's always with you. Amen? But I want you to also see what he says to Gideon. In verse 12, he says, the angel of the Lord. Now, some people view the angel of the Lord in a different way, but if you go and you read Scripture and you continue to see what he says, he refers to him as the Lord. I believe this is pre-incarnate Jesus. So now Jesus shows up on the scene in the midst of all the chaos all of the things coming against him. And he says, The angel of the Lord pierced to Gideon and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, are we talking about the same Gideon? The same man? I mean, this is the same guy who's in hiding, who's in fear. Who's covered in doubt, covered in shame. And, and the Lord says... You're a mighty man of valor. There's three characteristics to mighty men of valor in the Bible, and them three are number one, that they are they're strong. It's strength. That they're courageous and they have passion. This doesn't seem like what the Bible is describing of Gideon here, but God seen something else in Gideon that man doesn't see. In First Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, it says, For the Lord sees not as a man sees. For man looks upon the outward appearance, but the Lord looks upon the heart. Gideon must have been a man after God's own heart. In his heart, I don't see on the outward appearance, he looked defeated. I'm sure he had doubts. Many of you here come today in this same way. Where things are just not making sense. Your circumstances around you are just falling apart. But something deep inside of you longs for a relationship with the Lord. God sees you for who you are, not for how the world sees you. God sees something different in Gideon, something that he didn't even see in himself so much so that he would use these words. Now I want you to notice something that God didn't do when he meets Gideon where he's at. Is God didn't show up meeting Gideon where he's at in his guilt and his shame and in his filth and point out all of his flaws. See, church people, we do that a lot. See, we're quick to judge a brother. Or jump on someone who has struggling with sin, struggling with depression, struggling with something that they're facing in their life. We're easy to point out, eager to point out the flaws. But God, showing up to Gideon in his circumstances, in his guilt, in his shame, he encourages him. He calls him for who he is. And it's not because that's who Gideon is on his own, but that's who Gideon is through Christ. See, God doesn't point out the flaws and he doesn't deny all the things. But he encourages him. He lifts him up and he builds him up and he reminds Gideon of who he is in Christ. Some of you here today need to be reminded of who you are in Christ. See, there's many times we walk around with these shirts. You've seen them in here. it was part of our shirt where it says sinner and we identify as that sinner. But we are no longer sinners if you've been saved by the blood of Jesus. We're now saints, saved by the blood. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Now, I want you to see Gideon's response, because a lot of times it's the exact same thing, the exact same response that many of us have when God places a calling upon your life. See, God had called Gideon to do something. He was going to lead a great army and deliver the children of Israel. God had a purpose for him. And listen, let me tell you this. If God saved you, he didn't leave you here and abandon you. He saved you for a purpose. And you have a, he has a plan for you. He has a calling on your life. And he wants you to answer that call. But I want you to notice what Gideon does here. And this is why many people don't, don't ever fulfill their calling because of the doubts. Gideon starts to doubt God's word. See, God speaks and says, this is who you are in the beloved. This is who you are. This is who I say you are. It's not about what everybody else says. It's not about what you even think about yourself. It's how I see you. This is my word. But I want you to notice what Gideon does in verse 15. Gideon said, oh my Lord. I mean, how many of you said that? Are you serious? You want me to do that? I mean, it's almost sarcastically how he says it. Oh, my Lord. How can I get up here and preach your word? I mean, how can I get up here, as Jacob said, and lead worship when I've got all this baggage? I mean, how can you... You want me to give my testimony? I mean, these people know who I used to be. See, many of us... We start making these excuses like, Lord, you cannot use me because I have all this baggage. I have all this sin. I have all these things. You just can't use me. This is what Gideon does. He starts saying, Lord, you just don't know. Oh, the Lord knew. God doesn't deny Gideon's faults, his failures, or weaknesses. But in second Corinthians 12:9 he says, "My grace is sufficient for you for my power, that is God's power, is made perfect in your weakness." this is why Gideon was chosen because he was weak and God would receive the glory. I want you to understand something. I went and saw a movie, probably a lot of you saw. Um, this new movie that came out, um, Jesus Revolution. There was a quote in that movie that stuck with me over the weekend. And it was where the, the pastor's wife, after he had made some mistakes and he was doubting his calling and what God wanted him to do. She said this quote and it stuck with me. It says, don't Be so arrogant to believe that God can't use you despite your faults and failures. See, Gideon was like, God, I've I've just got too much going on. There's too many things in my family. There's so much baggage. You just don't know the things that I've done. How can you use me? You don't know the things that are going on inside of me right now. Many of us, we never fulfill our calling because of these doubts. And these excuses right here, many of you, God has something great for you. Yet you're letting the enemy rob you of that blessing because he's filling your mind with doubt. You're looking upon yourself and saying, "God, you just can't. You just, you just can't use me. If God can use Gideon, He can use you. If He can use and change someone like me, I promise you, He can change and use someone like you." Because it's not about us. It's about Him. God seen something different in Gideon. And it was God's goal and His purpose for Gideon to grab a hold. Before he ever could use him, Gideon had to grab a hold of his identity in Christ, who he was. See, if you want to be used by God and you want to be victorious, you have to understand first of who you are, what your identity is in Him. It's not about what the world labels you. It's not about what your family labels you or even the church labels you. It's about how He sees you. It's grabbing a hold of your identity. Because see, the thing about it is, is the enemy did not want the children of Israel to understand who they were. He didn't want, that's why he distracted them with all of these other things. He didn't want them to grasp a hold of who the God of Israel is and who they are in him because the enemy knows that he's already been defeated. And if they would realize just who 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 that they were in him, then they would go and they would be victorious. And he wanted to distract them from that. And I believe that the church is in the condition that we are in the United States. Is the condition we are is because Christians don't understand or not are grabbing a hold of who they are in Christ. Amen? So how do you grab a hold or take a hold of your identity in Christ? Why you look in chapter 6, verse 25, the first thing that God calls Gideon to do. Verse 25 says, Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and the second bull of seven years old and tear down the altar of Baal that your your father has and cut down the wooded image that is beside it. You've got to grab a hold of your identity in Christ and you've got to tear down the idols in your life. For Gideon, this was his identity. This was how people identified him of a family who worshiped false gods. This was his identity. This was what he kept dwelling upon. God, you can't use me because of these things. He said, you've got to get them out of your life. You've got to give them over. This isn't who you are anymore, Gideon. This may be the way the world sees you. This may be the way that you see yourself, but this isn't who you are anymore. You can, you've got to stop going back to the past and dwelling in it. See, many of us, we we battle with depression and doubt and all these things because we go back to who we used to be. So God, you can't use me. I'm unworthy. But he says, that's not who you are. You know, I went to a concert over the last weekend, and one thing that stuck with me was, Jeremy Camp sung a song, and I've heard a hundred times. But in that song, he speaks to people, and he was so real in that moment. And he talked about his faults and his failures, but how God picked him up out of that, and he reminded him that he loved him. God was telling Gideon, I love you. You are my son. Stop dwelling in the past. He, someone here today needs to hear that. Stop dwelling on who you used to be. Stop dwelling on the sins. Stop dwelling on the faults and the failures that you have. God loves you. He's with you. And He sees you and He cares about you. The second thing that He does is in chapter 7, verse 9. It said. It happened the same night that the Lord said to him, that is, Gideon, arise and go down against the camp. This was a camp of the enemies. For I have delivered it into your hand. And in verse 14, it says, Then his companion answered and said, this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, and the men of Israel. Into his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. So I want you to understand that before the battle ever took place, God had already given Gideon the victory. They go down to spy out the land. God said, if you don't believe me, just go see for yourself. Gideon goes down and listens to what the enemy saying, and they're like... We're already defeated. Before anything had ever happened, God had promised Gideon, I'm going to fight this battle for you. All I need you to do is go and trust me. God's promises are true, people. All Gideon had to do was believe them, take possession of what he had already granted to him to have victory. We have been promised the same. All we have to do is believe and trust who God is and His Word is true and we will have the same victory. Amen? Amen. And the third and final thing I want you to see that Gideon did, that we must do as well, is in chapter 7, verse 15. And so it was, after Gideon heard these things, he took a hold of it. He trusted the promises. Gideon heard the telling of the dream, the interpretation, that is that God had already given him the victory. I want you to look what he did. He worshipped. He worshipped the Lord. So what I want you to understand is this. Second Chronicles chapter 20, there was another battle in verse 17 through 18, and it says... God spoke to the people and said, you will not have to fight this battle, but take up your positions and stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will give you. So Jehoshaphat bowed down his face to the ground with all of the children of Israel and they worshiped before the Lord. See, true worship brings victory over the enemy. See, they worshiped when it didn't make sense. They were worshiping during the midst of the battle. See, this is where victory takes place. It's when, it's not after God has already conquered all these things because He's already promised you that. It's when all of the things seem to be going wrong. It's before, it's during the battle, before the battle, all when you're surrounded by all of the enemy and everything coming against you, nothing's going right, but you still worship the Lord. See, that's people, God, created us for worship. And there is power in worship. See, the devil don't have a problem with you coming to church, sitting in a pew. He has a problem with God's people coming together and worshiping. He has a problem when all of the things come against you and he robs you of these things. He's taking these things from you, yet you still stand up and you worship him. You know, I think of Job, I remember Job and a quote that he said was, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, yet blessed be the name of the Lord. He's going to worship him during all the trials, during all the tribulations of his life. That's where victory comes. When you can grasp a hold of these three things, Christians would be so more victorious and this world would change if we could grab a hold of our identity. And I want to close with this. Just as the times were then, the times are now. We live in some scary, dark times. God's people are dealing with, battling with all sorts of things coming against them, coming against us. And we're not exempt from these things. God never promised that we wouldn't face these trials, that we wouldn't face these battles. But as He did for For Gideon, he promised that he wouldn't go through them alone and that the victory was already theirs. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is. And just like he said for Gideon, and like he said for all the Christians who were victorious in the Bible, he says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. He's placed a calling upon you. He's placed a place of calling upon each and every one of his lives, and he can use you. I promise you, if you'll just grasp a hold of who you are, stop looking at your circumstances, how the world labels you, how you see yourself, believe what God says about you, grasp a hold of them promises, and would you worship him this morning, just see the victories that are in your life. Amen. God, I just love you. I praise you, Lord. I pray that you would be with us today. Lord, help us to... Never leave here the same, Lord. I pray that you are here with us, God, that we come to you this morning, that we lift up your name, that we honor and glorify you. Lord, I thank you that you love us, that you're, that you're always with us, Lord. I pray that if you're someone here that's battling something in their life that's just dragging them down, God, that you would release them from that today, Lord, that they would give it to you, that they would see themselves for who they are in you. God, and I pray that there's someone here that doesn't know you. They're still clinging to that old identity, Lord, that they would come to you today, that they would trust in you as their Lord and Savior, that they would turn from their sin. God, that you would save them where they're at. Lord, as you met Gideon where he was at, I pray that you would meet them where they're at today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.